Hi everyone, Pastor Michael here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I want to encourage you to use this resource in addition to, and not in place, of belonging to a local church body as you grow in your faith. If this sermon is a blessing, would you consider giving back to Springs Church? You could do that by giving on the app or by visiting the gift tab on our website at springs.church. I pray this sermon increases your passion for Christ and helps you grow in your walk with God. Praise God. All right. Uh, Morning, Springs Church. Good to see everybody. Oh, wide awake over on this side. You guys need a little bit of help, but you stay till the 11 o'clock. Once you wake up, you could give me a greeting then. Amen? No, just kidding. What a joy. What a joy. Well, we're going to get into the word this morning. Uh, Before we do, I just want to brag a little bit on my little guy, my little boy Landon. We were out hanging out the other day and He's at the age now, he's nine years old, so now he's starting to make friends and starting to have sleepovers, and now he's got his little buddies all around him, which is so cool. And he's got this one friend of his, and they were out playing the other day, and, and the family goes to another church. They're at a big mission organization. They go to another church, and uh, they, were, they were playing around, and Landon wanted this young boy, Harrison, he wanted him to sleep over. He said, could, could Harrison sleep over? Could he, could he come over with us? I said, well, he's gotta go to his family with church. And then I heard Harrison, this is what Harrison said. He said, no, 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 no. I want to go to your guy's church. That's what he said. And he said, Landon says, it is the best church ever. And you are like the coolest pastor. And he says, the children's church is awesome. Tommy is amazing. Like he's just just going off on everything that's going on at the church. And I just, I, I had a smile on my face. I said, God, thank you. My kids like church. They like being in the house of God. And I've heard pastors and ministers actually say to me, he said, you got to watch out. You know, your kids will turn. They're, they're going to hate church. They're gonna... I said, no way, Jose. My kids are going to love this house. They're going to love this place. And I thank God that they do. And I don't know why I'm even sharing all this, but I want to give a thank you to many of you because one of the reasons they love this house is because you guys love on the little ones so well in this place. You see them running around, you're giving them hugs, you're giving them high fives, you're letting them play with their friends, and it creates an environment where they want to be in this house. Amen? This is where our kids belong, right? Amen. Amen. So I'm just bragging on Landon today. I'm just excited. I guess as a father, it just it struck my heart. So I'll try not to cry. All right. All right. Let's get into the word together. Um, One last announcement before we do. I sent it through an email this last week. Uh, There is a podcast or a leadership podcast done by the elders on our four core. Remember we went through our mission statement here at the church and we talked about practicing prayer and understanding scripture and experiencing community and, and developing calling. Our four core, the four main things of the vision of this house. There's actually a leadership podcast on the app from the elders that goes through the vision statement and the mission statement where we explain our hearts and how God brought us to this place and why these are the core values of the church. And you should really avail yourself of it. I I know we shot for like three hours. I want to say Pastor Billy, it's down to like, I don't know, what, 20 minutes or so about that. But we shot a long video and kind of edited it all out. So please go on our app, check that out, go online. Uh, If you need help finding it, you can send an email info at Springs Church and we'll help you navigate to the right link, but it's on the app. So look for it and check it out. I think it'd be a real blessing to you. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's get into the word this morning. I have a word the Lord has put on my heart entitled, and I'll put it up on the screen. I think we actually have a sermon slide this morning. Tribulation, kingdom, and patience. I want to speak to you about tribulation, kingdom, 
and patience. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 12. You know things are getting serious when we're opening up the book of Revelations, amen? So turn to Revelations chapter 12, the book that no pastor ever wants to preach from. And I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump in together. We're gonna read verses 13 through 17 to start. Father, I just take a moment to say, Lord, we need your grace this morning. We need your spirit. Lord, I've done my best. I have prayed this week. I have read, I have studied, I have put things in note form, I've done things. And, and in the end of the day, as good as important all that is, because it says study to show yourself approved unto God, we need to do that. I also recognize how far all of that falls short if it's not anointed under your spirit. If there's not a spirit of revelation and wisdom that's given this morning where you speak to every heart, Lord, there might just be one phrase in the sermon that you want to pull out and you want to speak to a very specific circumstance of somebody in this house, of a very individual in these seats. God, I pray that you would multiply this word just like you multiplied the bread, the loaves, and the fish. And I pray that you would speak. And I pray, God, even though we're going to touch on some things that I believe the American church has a very hard time actually hearing, I pray, God, that we would see the hope that you have in it that there's faith that would arise, that there's understanding that would come, that would cause even a deeper place of, of trust, trust in you than ever before. God, I commit it to you now, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Revelations chapter 12, verse 13 through 17. I'm gonna read out the ESV today because it got the closest to the original translation of what I was looking for there. So verse 13 says this. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness. Now this is important. To the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. I'll stop there. Now, Revelations chapter 12 paints a really important visual picture of how Satan and what type of attacks he is going to use or will use in the last days against the church. Many commentators debate who this woman is in Revelations chapter 12. Um, some commentators say that the woman represents the nation of Israel. And the male child, obviously, is Jesus, the coming Messiah. But when the woman flies away to the place that was prepared for her in the wilderness, the text goes on and it tells us that Satan actually begins to wage war against the rest of our offspring, which are the people that hold fast to the testimony of Jesus. See, the offspring of the nation of Israel, and you have to understand this, through the coming of the Messiah and the birth of Jesus is the church. 
It's Jews and Gentiles becoming one new man in Christ. But however you interpret this passage of scripture, the picture of how the dragon, which represents Satan attacks and how God actually preserves the woman, which is his people, speaks volumes to the church today. For example, notice how the woman flew away to the wilderness and the Bible says it was a place that was actually prepared for her by God. And then how this wilderness, the earth, the desert is working and it's being used by God to stop the flood that's coming out of the dragon's mouth. Now with that picture of this woman being brought into the wilderness, which was a place that was prepared for her and her being protected from the flood that was coming from the enemy's mouth. I want to take that picture and I want to go back in the book of Revelations and I want to start in Revelations chapter one, verse nine. And I want you to see what John says as he opens up this book. In Revelations chapter one, nine, he says this, I, John, so this is his greeting, your brother and partner in what? In the tribulation, and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, what I want to do is I want to take this opening and I want to begin to dissect it for a few minutes so that we can wrap our heads around what John is actually saying. And then I want to take what John is saying and take it and reconnect it so it gives us an understanding of what's happening in Revelations chapter 12. Three words that I want to highlight this morning from the text. Are you ready? I'm going to put them up on the screen. Ready? Tribulation, kingdom, and then what? Patience. Okay, let's start with the first one. I'm going to put a definition up on the screen for us this morning. Number one, tribulation. Are you ready? It means to be under stress or strain or sorrow, a grieving for an extended amount of time. Okay? Kingdom means government, order, strength, and majesty. And then watch this. Patience means having courage, fidelity, and endurance. Now, John, in this passage of scripture, takes these three things and he binds them together. He relates them to one another because he says this. He says the tribulation, the kingdom, and patience, ready for this, is in Jesus. In Jesus. What in the world does that mean? See, when he uses that word tribulation, kingdom, and patience, and then he says in Jesus, you know what John is saying? He's saying in Jesus means this is part of the Christian experience. You have to get this picture. John is describing an experience. He's describing his own personal experience as the author of the book of Revelations. He's describing the experience of the churches that he's writing to. And he's describing the experience of Jesus himself. For example, this letter was written to the seven churches of Asia. It was written to Ephesus, which was a church that was in danger because of false teachers and being persecuted. Okay, it was written to Smyrna, which was a church in tribulation that was poor and was suffering, and many of the congregation were actually in prison. It was written to the church of Pergamum, right, because they actually sat and dwelt where the throne of Satan was and where Antipas was martyred. It was written to Tyra Tyra, which was a church that was in danger because of false prophets, and they were patiently enduring. It was written to Philadelphia, 
which was a church that kept the word of God, but was under difficult circumstances. It was written to the church of Sardis, which is a church that was overwhelmed in death and many in the congregation were defiled. It was written to the church of Laodicea, which was a church that was weakened in their faith because of prosperity. Prosperity, which is one of the most serious of all perils that ever threatened the church. Tribulation is part of the Christian experience. In fact, look at what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Now, Jesus says, I want you to have peace. I don't want you to freak out because Pastor Michael's talking about tribulation today. Relax, have peace. But look what he says. In the world, what does he say? You will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We are experiencing a season of tribulation in the Western world. There is pressure on all sides of us and you can't escape. And we're feeling that pressure, are we not? We're feeling the pressure economically. There's tribulation throughout the economics of the world. We are feeling the pressure politically we are feeling it in our society because of all the divisiveness, the disunity, and even the agendas that are coming against anything that aligns itself with the word of God. We are feeling the pressure at work because now we have new trainings and we have new agendas that big government and big business are pushing onto us, right? We're feeling the pressure even for our own children because the educational system is trying to confuse them and destroy them. We are feeling the pressure. We are feeling the pressure through the overwhelming stimulation of the constant stream of information that's coming through podcasts and newcasts on our phone all the time. And now, if that wasn't enough, now we have this fear of what some type of technology might do to us in the future. We are living in a Terminator movie. That's nuts. We are even feeling the pressure because the places that we thought were safe that we used to retreat to, to get a reprieve from the agendas of the world, they are now gone. You can't even put on a Disney film or a Marvel movie without some type of messaging that is trying to get you to think or accept some type of agenda of an antichrist spirit. All of that pressure naturally gives birth to just this feeling and this overwhelming sense of sorrow. It breaks us because if you're an honest Christian, you see the destruction. You see how families and churches and friendships are being torn apart. You see the arrogance and the blindness of society that is leading to nations imploding. You see it. You see all the pain that it's causing. And in your heart, there's a grieving, isn't there? There's something inside of you where you go around and you mourn. You might not be weeping out of your eyes, but you feel it in your spirit. You're saying, oh God, God, it didn't have to be this way. We didn't have to go this way. The world didn't have to be like this. And there's a grieving, there's a mourning, there's a hurt inside of us. 
And because there's pressure on all sides, we can't escape and you can't really catch your breath. Now, I know what people are thinking. This is a bummer of a message so far, Pastor Michael. But is it true or not? Is this not what we're dealing with? You want to stick your head in the sand and act like everything is just peachy. I'm fine with that. But that isn't what's going to work. We got to face what's actually going on. And then we got to find what God is doing in the midst of it and align ourselves to it so that we could follow where he's leading. Amen? We got to understand. We got to see it. We got to know. That's part of the tribulation that John is speaking about. But he doesn't stop there. He says that we will experience tribulation, but we will also experience the kingdom in Jesus. Now, remember the definition that I just gave to you, and let me expound on it just a little bit. What does the kingdom mean? The kingdom means rule, and it means a realm of a king. It means a rule and a realm of a king. See, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes. And he begins to reveal to you. He begins to open up to you and bear witness to the truth through the word of God that God is king over everything. He is king over the nations. He is king over the world. He is king over the spiritual realm. He is king over Satan. God rules over it all by his government and sovereignty. In fact, look at the words that Jesus spoke to Pontius Pilate when he was standing before him in his judgment seat. I love this. Watch what Jesus said. So Pilate said to him, listen to what Pilate said to Jesus, right? You're not going to speak to me? He said, you ain't going to speak to me? Don't you know I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Now, this, this is Pilate's big play. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, who he delivered me over to you has the greater sin. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying there's no authority on this earth that's not under the authority of my Father. Nothing. Nothing. I was reminded of this last week as I'm going back and I'm studying and I'm reading through some sermons on the life of Job and I, I, I found this, this saying or this, this, this writing from the Westminster preacher, Campbell Morgan, one of my favorite preachers. He wrote this and it blew me away. Listen to what he said. I'll put it up on the screen. He said, Satan himself must report to the divine presence ere he goes upon any mission on persecuting the sons of God. This is old English, so you just gotta flow with it when you read it. So I'll read it again. Satan himself must report in the divine presence ere he goes upon any mission on persecuting the sons of God. The arch enemy of mankind cannot touch one single piece of your property, not so much as a hair upon the back of a camel that you possess until he has asked permission. Satan desires to sift you, watch this, then he must ask before he can do it. Satan desires to plunge a continent into war, then he cannot act save under divine control. If in the divine control there be a process of judgment, it is a judgment proceeding towards the accomplishment of a purpose of mercy. Whoa! See, a true Christian through the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit always knows that all things, blessings and tribulations, are working together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Everything in our lives, even spiritual attacks, are under the divine government and the kingship of God. 
Now watch this. John tells us that in the Christian experience that there will be tribulations, which means a constant pressure from all sides. But then he goes on and he says, but there will also be an overwhelming revelation and understanding through the work of the Holy Spirit that God is ultimately in control of everything. And then he says this, and then on top of it, there will be patience as well. Now that word patience, I want you to hear this, that word patience actually means to stay under. It means to stay under. Now I'm gonna take my last point about patience, about staying under, and I'm gonna connect it to all the other points that I just had, and I'm gonna bring it, and I'm gonna go back to Revelations chapter 12 and connect it all together. Because in Revelations chapter 12, do you remember? The dragon is trying to destroy the woman, which is a type of God's people, it's a type of the church. And God prepares a place in the wilderness where God puts her so that he could protect the church from the attack of Satan. That's what he does. In fact, he keeps the woman in the wilderness for a time, times, and half a time, and I'm not gonna get into all that today, but he keeps her for a season so that the wilderness and what she's experiencing might swallow up the flood that is coming out of Satan's mouth. See, the church, the woman, and I, I want you to get this, she stayed in the wilderness. It's much like today where we are staying under tribulation. How many of you honestly in this house have prayed over the last year, God, we just need a break. We need you to stabilize something. Don't tell me you haven't prayed it because I've come here Wednesday night and when I let people get up on the mic, that's exactly what we pray. Stabilize something, God. Stabilize the economy, just give us that. Stabilize our educational system. Stabilize the geopolitical relationship between nations. Just, just stabilize something. Stabilize our politics. Oh God, do something there. Stabilize my Disney Plus subscription. Just something. Breakthrough somewhere. And we've seen miracles. We've seen God work in our missionaries. We've seen breakthroughs in certain areas. But can I be honest, the overwhelming answer that I'm noticing, that I'm seeing, that I'm getting, and I think all of you are getting, is God saying, no, you need to have patience. You need to stay under the tribulation and the pressure for a season because it's actually doing something to you. And it's doing something for you that you don't even understand. In fact, the woman going into the wilderness and being kept there by God, what is a wilderness? You know what a wilderness, I know what a wilderness, it's a place of pressure. Look at the 40 years with the Israelite. It was a place where, oh, there's no water. Oh, there's no food. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? Oh, our enemies are attacking. Oh, we don't know what, it was a place of pressure. It was constant pressure. The wilderness is a place of tribulation. That's what it is. That's why John said that in Jesus, we will know tribulation. We will know the kingdom. We will know patience because this is a working of God. Look at what Paul says in the book of Acts to the early church. I, I love what he says. He says this in Acts chapter 14, verse 21 through 22. 
And this is his early first missionary journey as he's coming back. He says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So they're going back to all the churches they planted. And they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And then watch this. This is the part that blows my mind. And saying that through many tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, people read that and they automatically assume that what Paul is talking about is our need to suffer, that, that it's through our suffering that we're made worthy of heaven. But that can't be what Paul is talking about. Because if that was true, it would go against his whole message. It would go against the gospel message of justification by faith. This idea that I have to do something to earn something from God so that I could ultimately end up in heaven. That, that doesn't make any sense. See, where people get messed up on this is they begin to take the word kingdom and they make it heaven. That's not what it says. It doesn't say enter into heaven. It says enter in to the kingdom of God. And we said before that the kingdom of God is God's government and authority and kingship over everything. But it's even more than just that. It's all of that, but get this. It's also the beauty of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God. That's all part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is being given the capacity and ability to see God's beauty. That's how you enter into the kingdom. It's to experience joy and pleasure from experiencing God's beautifulness, from seeing how beautiful and how glorious and how majestic he actually is. In fact, let me put this up on the screen. This is from my journal, and I've been ruminating over this for the last couple of weeks. But entering the kingdom of God is when the human heart no longer lives to use God, you ready for this? But sees God as beautiful and pleasurable in himself. That, that's the kingdom. That's how we enter in his sovereignty, his rule, his authority, but his majesty, his glory, and his beauty. It's when our hearts finally get to the point where I'm no longer just using God, but I can actually see God as an end, beautiful in himself, is worthy of everything. When I see that, when I understand that, I'm walking in the kingdom of God. I'm living in the kingdom of God. We all use God. We all want God to bless us. We all want God to heal us. We all want God to fix all of our issues. We all want God to make us better at our jobs. We all want God to make us better people so we can live better lives. And can I just say this? God's not mad about that. That's all part of his work in the gospel. He wants to form those things in you. He wants to conform you into the image of Christ. He wants to meet you at your point of needs. He wants you to cast every care upon him. That's part of the gospel. God isn't upset about that. But true joy and hope can only be made real in our hearts if God grows us and matures us from the place of just using him to the place of actually cherishing him. I cherish God. He's the treasure in the field. That's worth selling all so that I might be able to get it. That I see him as the treasure. I see him. This is the treasure. Knowing him, walking with him in intimacy, having my heart come alive with him. This is the treasure. God wants to become an end in himself. 
and not just the instrument to something else. All right, with all that said, let me finish with what the Lord has put on my heart and end in Revelation chapter 12 where I said I was ultimately gonna go. Satan the dragon went after the people of God, went after the church in Revelations and it gives us an insight of how he works and it was a flood that came out of his mouth. We have been living in decades where there has been a flood that has been coming out of the enemy's mouth. There has been a flood of entertainment, a flood of sexual immorality, but even deeper than that in our society, it's been a flood of selfishness where everything is about us. It's about my rights, it's about my identity, it's about how I feel, it's about my reality, it's about, it's, it's me, 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 me. If you don't believe me, go put TikTok on for just two minutes. Go, go ahead. There is a flood of just self-centeredness where everything is about us and where God has been pushed out. And can I be honest, that flood, and I say this lovingly, has come into the church where the whole church has now been rewired. The word of God has been, been, been retaught in some measures that, that really at the center of this Christian faith, it's all about you. And it's all about the needs that you have. And God, don't worry, he's on the outside of this. You, you don't have to worry. It's all, you become the center of everything. And our teaching has gone that way. In fact, not only has our teaching gone that way, we've become so human-centered that we've gotten to a point of, self, uh, of seeking the lost in a way where we have now made it seeker-sensitive in the house, where, where we can't even talk about blood. We can't talk about the cross. We, can't, we, we gotta make sure that people feel comfortable in the house of God. And it's become a self-centeredness of the flood of Satan. It's a flood that's come from his mouth. It has come through society. It's come into the church. And God in his kindness, and this is what I want you to get, God in his love needs to protect his bride. He needs to protect his church, especially if he's gonna be able to affect this nation and affects this generation through his people. So how is God going to protect them? Revelation shows us. He takes us into the wilderness. He puts us into a place of tribulation. He puts us in a place of pressure on all sides. And he keeps us there for a season. He keeps us staying under it. Why? Why? What does the pressure actually do? It creates in us a need for God again. It creates in us a hunger for God. We start seeking him again. We start opening up our words in the evening. Church is no longer like, oh, I wonder if I want to go, but it's needed. I need to get in the presence of God. I need to be in worship. I need to sit under the word. And as he's growing that need, as he's growing that hunger, suddenly the Holy Spirit has something that he could work with where he could reveal how beautiful God actually is. He could show you and me how glorious he is because he has our attention. And when you see it, boldness comes inside of you. When you see it, faith starts rising up in you. When you see it, contentment starts flooding in the heart. And what happens is when you go to work, when you go to your studies, you go to your school or wherever you are out in the streets or, or going to a neighborhood meeting or whatever it is, there's a power that's beginning to infuse inside of you because of what God is doing in the desert. There's an excitement about God again. There's a love for souls, a passion for souls that come back into the church. See, Satan thought the flood would take the woman away. He thought if I could just get society so set on themselves, if I could just make it all about them, if I could bring a flood of filth, entertainment, and selfishness, if I could just bring it, it'll take the church away. But God in his providence and even in his goodness I said, no, I'll bring her into the wilderness. 
I'll bring you into a season of tribulation across the world, pressure on all sides, but it will swallow up that flood. It will create a hunger in the hearts of my people again, and I can begin to open to them the revelation of my beauty. And when they see it, it'll grow faith, it'll grow power, it'll grow strength like never before. See, for the world, they're under judgment. The world is under judgment. People say, no, 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 the, the wickedness, the sexual immorality, that's gonna lead to judgment. No, Romans 1 says, that is the judgment. Being given over to this, that's the judgment of God. It creates confusion and divisiveness and illogical ways of thinking that, that, that literally create all types of, uh, of instability in every part and every sphere of life. That's the judgment of God. See, the world is under the judgment of God, but the church is under the protection of God. That's the difference. What's going on with them, God is using to bring us into what we've been praying for for years. You can't pray prayers like I want revival and not end up in a wilderness somewhere. You can't. You can't pray, oh God, send so many missionaries to so and so to touch lives. Oh God, awaken, awaken, oh God. As if God just uses a magic wand. As if that's what he, little pixie dust over here, pixie dust over there. Oh, they're all coming to Jesus. He works through the church. That's how he works. It's not pixie dust for God. He sets up his church. He revives his church. He touches his church. He ministers through his church. He awakens his church. When you pray those types of prayers, God says, okay, but to do it, I have to bring you into a wilderness. I'm not against you. I'm not, I'm not gonna destroy you. I got plans for you. I got a future for you. But this is all working for a reason to protect you from something that has taken away the testimony in your own heart. God loves his bride. He is for his bride. That's why we're in the wilderness. Stand with me, Springs Church. Let me close with this, because this is where the Lord, the rubber hits the road. Because I said, God, how does this work on an individual level? That's good to give us corporate understanding of what you're doing across the earth and how you're preparing the church and how you're gonna meet the need of this generation, good. But what does it do on the individual level for me, for everyone else? And this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading. There are some in this room that have been under a lot of pressure. Some of it in your individual life and some of you, it's just the chaos of the world of what's been going on. And it's gotten in your heart and your mind, in fact, the enemy has even lied to you that you're under that pressure because God is displeased with you. He's even brought things up from your past that you've never been able to forgive yourself for. You've asked for forgiveness from God, but you've never asked, you couldn't forgive yourself. He's brought it up and said, this is the reason you're under this. This is why you're here. And I'm gonna tell you today, it is a lie. You who are in this room, many of you in this place, you're not under this pressure because God is mad at you. You're under this pressure because God wants to protect you. There's something so precious here that you don't see with your own physical eyes that God is just giving you a peek of. And this is my heart. I wanted to have an altar time today to pray for those 
who feel as if God is distanced or God has left them or feel like God, God through this pressure is somehow displeased. And I wanna break that off of you once and for all so that you understand that God's love is with you. Now, let me, just, let me just say this. Nobody is going to fail or fall in this wilderness. God is gonna be faithful to bring everybody in. He, he's gonna take care of you. He's gonna provide for you. He's gonna walk with you. You're gonna see miracles from God. You're gonna see breakthroughs from God. You're not gonna faint in the wilderness. God already has, see, he, he was gonna take care of the Israelites. Their issue is they never believed. They just wouldn't believe God. God was gonna provide. And if you're in this place and you are literally saying, you know what, Pastor Michael, I, I feel as if all this pressure, I have felt like it's something that I've done and God has lifted his hand for me. God has left me. And if that's your heart, I want you to come forward today. I, worship team, you could come up if you want. I, I don't, it doesn't matter. Just, I want you to come. I want to pray for you. I want to lift you up. I want the Holy Spirit to break that off of you. And I want the Holy Spirit to set in your heart an understanding, a proper understanding that the wilderness isn't to destroy, but actually to protect. I'll give a few minutes. And if you want to come, you just come forward. Come forward and I'll pray. I'll lift it up. We'll ask God to bring a touch, to bring a touch. You're feeling the pressure at work. You're feeling the pressure in family. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Worship team is here. Come, come up. Come up. Come up. Come up. Come up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you are under that pressure, and can I be honest with you, from the word this, this morning, just earlier, you need to make that commitment of just surrendering your will to God. Just surrender it to God. Can I be honest? I don't know which way it's gonna go for this nation, but you need to surrender that to God. Whether God restores this nation or not, give it to him. It's up to him. It's not that I'm not praying for it. It's not that I'm not gonna ask and not that I'm not gonna seek, but you gotta let things go. You gotta release them and surrender them to God because God's way and his plan is greater than your own. He knows what he is doing. He knows what he is doing. And can I be honest with you? He's not interested in just saving America. He's interested in saving the church and saving souls. I thank God for America, but he's interested in saving the body of Christ from going astray. Father, I lift up every heart that's up here this morning, God. And I know in this season, it could be confusing. I was praying with the prayer team. I said, God, I feel like people are just confused. I've been confused where you're praying and you're feeling like it's another place of God saying, no, patience. And then patient, you're just like, what? What are you doing? And you lose sight of your sovereignty. You lose sight of the fact that you're doing something for a purpose. God, I pray for those this morning that have been in that confusion and the enemy has come and he has lied. He has said, this is going on because God is mad at you. This is going on because God has abandoned you. This is going on because God wants nothing to do with you. God, you have taught me over and over again, Lord God, that you are gonna be faithful to your church. You are gonna bring her through. You are gonna preserve her and she is going to be beautiful. And even when the church fails, Lord God, your faithfulness is not going to stop. And I pray against those lies this morning, God, that you would break them, Lord Jesus. You would break them once and for all. There are some that have been hearing this week after week, and it's like what Chris was saying. It's like we're indifferent to it. We're not listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. And they allow themselves to go back under condemnation. They allow themselves to go back into a place where they feel abandoned by God. 
And I pray, God, in your mercy, you would finally break it once and for all, and you would show that through your spirit, through a bearing of witness of the spirit of God, that even though this is a difficult season, you are in it, and you're going to carry that through, and you are doing something in the midst of it that is protecting their heart. It's protecting their walk. It's protecting their families. It's protecting their children. It's protecting generations even to come. God, I pray that they'd see that this is working a deeper dependency on you than ever before, a deeper hunger for you than ever before. And the Spirit of God is going to meet that dependency. He's going to meet that hunger with revelations, with understandings that although we've heard a million times actually become real in the heart and they unleash boldness, they unleash faith. God, I believe with everything in me there are people up here at this altar and they feel like you have abandoned, that you are going to raise up to be missionaries through this time. There are those that are at this altar you're going to raise up to speak for you at their work, Lord God. They're going to become voices for God to this generation. Holy Spirit, I know it. There are some that are going to be plucked out even at this altar who have felt like what they're going through is God abandoning when it was something that God was working and protecting and keeping that you're going to raise them up. You're going to raise them up, Lord God, even into full-time ministry one day. You're going to raise some as evangelists. They're going to evangelize. Lord, they're going to hit streets. They're going to speak about you. I believe it with everything in my heart. You've been showing it to me all week in the place of prayer. That the desert isn't going to destroy. The desert, the wilderness, the tribulation is going to bring the, the calls of God out of people's lives. It's going to bring faith out of people's lives. Father, I lift them up this morning. Holy Spirit, break every lie once and for all, Lord. Lift up eyes once and for all, Lord Jesus. Lift them up. Let them see it. This is how you kept your people. This is how you kept your church. It was a wilderness that swallowed up the flood. It was the wilderness that stopped the self-centeredness. It was the wilderness that stopped the immorality. It was the wilderness that stopped the lies of the enemy. It was the wilderness. It was the pressure that brought your church in. And lastly, Lord, we pray for every church in Colorado Springs today as well. God, I lift up Rock Family, Vanguard, New Life. Lord, I, I, I lift up Woodman. I lift up the church on academy. I, I, I lift up discovery, God. I, I, I lift up all these churches today, all the pastors that I know, Zeal Church with Pastor Brandon. God, I lift them all up to you. And I pray as they are under the pressure right now, God, you would open up their eyes that you are doing something in their midst and you're creating something that's going to preserve them and not destroy them. I pray that they would preach with fire. I pray, God, that the church would come back to prayer, that the hunger of God would get so hungry, that the corporate prayer meetings would begin to grow again. Churches would have corporate prayer meetings, bringing people in, saying, hey, midweek, let's seek the face of God. Let's call on God. Let's allow God to move. God, I pray that you would do it through this city, God. You would touch this city. You would touch churches as you are preserving us in this desert. Lord God, build it into your church the way you've always attended. Hallelujah, Lord. God, and as we close, I pray we would lift heads today. People hear words like this and they feel discouraged. This is not a discouragement. I wish I could show people this is bringing the church and people into everything they've been praying for for decades. 
this is bringing people in. They have no idea. God, we thank you. We commit it to you now. We bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Let's thank him for his goodness. Hallelujah. 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 Thanks again for listening to our Springs Church podcast. For other exciting content from Springs Church, be sure to visit us online at springs.church. If you'd like to partner financially with Springs Church, you have the opportunity to give by visiting the Give tab of our website, springs.church.